Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Wall Street had an interesting day yesterday when the NYSE shut down for three and a half hours, roughly. Um, that was interesting because my bosses in television are super concerned by that. They're like, that's a big story. Can we trust Wall Street? What if it was a what if it was a hacker and they stole our money? What happened yesterday was a glitch, as far as we're being told. And again, I can't report uh, conspiracy theories. I'd like to. It would be really nice and fun, wouldn't it? Uh, but that's not what I do. But competition helped pick up for the NYSE yesterday, the NASDAQ, the BATS market. It was certainly a snafu, and it certainly, you know, makes you nervous. We've never had that situation where the market closes without mutual funds having the option of settling their their books. And uh, it was a technical issue. It was the NYSE's most severe outage due to internal technicality. I look at it this way: I've got a car that one day I forgot to turned my lights off, and I went out, and it didn't work. It took me about two, three hours to figure out how to get to a store, get a new battery. It took me an hour to, how to take out the battery that was in the car. Not that taking the posts are off, difficult, but Volkswagen makes it incredibly difficult. You have to have one of those really long wrenches to get it out of the battery holding area. Long story short, I figured it out, and it was up and going again. Same with the NYSC. Um... The NYSE is iconic, so you don't like to see the lights go out. Um, but the data that traders were seeing wasn't consistent, and you can't trade off bad data. In 1997, this would have been a much bigger deal. It would have put a lot of people out of the market. Uh, but because the competitions moved in and made trading of NYSE stocks easy on other markets, it was fine. Uh, 
was it nerve-wracking? Sure. Uh, but again, I'm not going to play into it and go, Oh, boy. Oh, Popeye. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. PepsiCo. This is what it's all about. Uh, they reported second quarter earnings that topped expectations and raised its full year earnings outlook. PepsiCo um, snacks and beverage giant. So basically, uh, company reported revenue that fell to $15.92 billion, down 6% from last year, 16.8, based on currency exchange. The stronger dollar hurts American companies that do business overseas right now. Um, but that result still topped expectations. Income from North America beverage and snack sales rose from the same period last year with $400 million in retail sales. PepsiCo raised its full-year earnings per share growth by 8%. Pretty good. Quote coming out of Pepsi, Pepsi was, uh, the macroeconomic environment around the world remains volatile and foreign exchange headwinds persist in many of our international markets. But the steps we're taking to manage our business responsibly, such as taking pricing actions and optimizing our global sourcing, are clearly contributing to high-quality top and bottom line. So that's good. Um, takes a little bit of pressure off the markets, which, for the record, markets are opened up big today. Um, Wall Street opens higher. NYSE trading was was smooth. Um, you saw Chinese Chinese stocks have been basically getting battered, pretty rough, um, and they had a decent day. And that kind of that and NYSE open and no major misses on earnings uh, has created a an environment of winning. All 10 major S&P 500 sectors rose as Beijing's efforts to halt a route in Chinese stocks finally bore fruit. Uh, that's a problem. When your government's trying to stop things from going down in a stock market, uh, and a couple months ago they're like, they run commercials like, you too can buy stocks for the Chinese people, and trying to get their economy more consumption-based and less you know, manufacturing export-based. China's securities regulators in its most dramatic, drastic step yet to arrest a sell-off in the stock markets, banned shareholders with large stakes and listed firms from selling for the next six months. <laughs> that doesn't help. That's a Band-Aid. On a Band-Aid on, like, uh, you've just been dragged behind a, a U-Haul for 3,000 miles. Well, let's put a little Band-Aid on it. It's not going to be good enough. So, Greece... Ooh, do I have to talk about Greece again? It's suddenly secondary importance. Right now we're focusing on China. The rebound in the Shanghai Stock Index almost exactly reverses the previous day's decline. So it's kind of got some nice drama to it. There are hints that creditors are mo more open to debt restructuring for Greece, but no evidence of proposals from Greece that could lead to an agreement. Time is ticking. Their banks literally are running out of money. Like... You can go in and say, I need my money, and they don't have it. Um, you go in and say, I'd like to take 10 shekels. They don't have it. I want 10 euros. No, don't have it. Dollars? No, 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 no. Uh, try doing business with, like, stones. That's what they're going to have their economy reduced to. Alcoa kicked off earnings season with better than expected revenue, but a miss on earnings. New claims for unemployment for the week ended July 4 with 297. That's the highest level since February, a little above expectations. 
but still very, very low enough. Um, there's going to be no market reaction to that. So the data out there is looking okay. You know, I, I can't say that I'm like singing like, wow, look at look how great the markets look today. And, you know, golly gee, all-time high on Apple. I, I can't say that because it's just not there. The stories aren't, you know, um, boiling it over with optimism. So Procter & Graham... Procter & Gamble agreed to sell their beauty business. Beauty is my business. Um, floral delivery is my life. So deal with Cody valued the company at $13 billion. Um, so Procter & Gamble is going to sell Clairol and CoverGirl and Wella to Cody. Um, hair dyes, shampoo, Hugo Boss perfume, CoverGirl makeup. Um... The exit represents the single largest divestiture of assets in Procter & Gamble's history. It comes after the earlier sale of their Duracell battery brand to Warren Buffet's Berkshire Hathaway, as well as a number of smaller sales around the world. So the company's trying to focus on their key business. They're aiming to return up to $70 billion to shareholders via dividends and share buybacks in the next four years. I think that's a company that can be owned because they seem to be acting as if they're shareholder friendly. I did have an Interesting, um, oh, oil of Olay. Oil of Olay. What is Olay? Um, I did have an interesting conversation yesterday. Uh, doing a little TV work with Mark Dan, and he said something along the lines of, uh, you know, what stock would you own for 100 years? I'm like, Psh, I don't think I can answer that. I mean, if we were to go back 100 years ago, like, I just don't think you can answer that. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's a question I can ask you, and you can tell me by email rob at robblack.com. What stock would you own for 100 years? I personally, again, it would probably have to be a food stock or something like that to me, or something like a Procter & Gamble, but I don't really have an answer. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, the markets, for sure. Um, it's earnings season, which is kind of something that I love. It's the time of year where uh, you get it four times a year. Every 90 days, Wall Street kind of comes clean and says, here's you know how we did the quarter, here's what we did in North America, South America, Europe, and uh, it helps you build a case. I could honestly, and this is uh, a statement, I really don't give two poops about the market on a day-by-day -day basis. I care about it on a 90-day-by-90-day by 90 day basis. Earnings season is what kind of drives me. Um, so you know Venezuela's got all sorts of economic 
in political crisis going on. Uh, locals are sweltering. Um, the notion, you know, heavily chilled light loggers, it keeps them cool during the, the heaty season. Uh, but Venezuela could run dry, and that's devastating. Brewery workers are on strike demanding higher wages. <laughs> oh, no. I don't mind the political calamity. I don't mind the economic calamity. But please, make sure I have a cold lager. Uh, their, their inflation's up 615%. It's got one of the highest homicide rates in the world. Government's been locking up its critics. Give me a beer, and I'll be okay. But they're having problems. So feel good that you live in America. Yow! 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. So the four-hour shutdown on the NYSC is a reminder that markets can break down. It's not a reminder that you can't trust the markets. It's a reminder that markets can break down. Um, I think that's worthy of note. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, bad radio. Let's see. My fault. Jobless claims rose to the highest level since February. Again, this is any number under 400,000, 350,000 is pretty solid. It's good. It's a good building block for the economy. EU antitrust regulators are filing charges against MasterCard. European Union antitrust regulators have filed charges against MasterCard, saying they suspect the firm is artificially raising the cost of card payments in Europe. It's typically a good thing. I know you're saying, Rob, that's not a good thing. Um, okay, so the European Union did a lot of damage to Microsoft with Internet Explorer. No doubt about it. Um, but typically what you have here is, is if you're being charged with being like a monopolistic gorilla, it means you've got pretty good business. Let's bring in Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. Let's welcome in Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez is a mortgage lender. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Tony, fixing your credit. That's something we've all been there, gotten into a late payment. I have one in the last five years. And my story is kind of goofy. It was a mortgage payment that mm -hmm. I sent in the payment. They didn't cash the check. Uh-oh. Then they notify me, and they say, okay, now that you're almost late, send it to this P.O. box. And I thought I did. I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, and that's the worst one to, to pay late is the mortgage, especially if you're looking at other kind of uh, real estate transactions because it really hangs on there for quite a while, no matter what your credit score is. It dings my credit? Yeah. Uh, credit score has the biggest effect on your uh, rate in almost any product that you're going to get, whether it's a credit card, a car loan, or a mortgage. The mortgage, obviously, is going to be the largest ex expense because you're going to pay that over 30 years, and it can really add up. The difference between a 640 score and a 740 score on a, a traditional type of, of loan is about 1%. On a $400,000 loan, that's $200 a month more that you're spending because you have a lower credit score. So the first thing I would do is get a copy of your credit report. You can go to annualcreditreport.com, or you can go to your creditor, Let's say you're doing a, a transaction of some sort. Hopefully, they'll be able to show you the, the, the credit report. Check for accuracy. Make sure that everything's on there. And if there's some things that you can fix that are easy, try to do it on your own or use that creditor. If they're a lot more difficult, then you could try using some of these invasive 
credit card companies and they uh, credit repair companies and they can range in price from $85 a month to a one-time $2,000, $3,000 fee depending on how bad it is and how um, what's the necessity of, of how quickly you need it. So what's ironic or what's odd about a credit score is you have to use credit and maintain credit to have a good credit right. score. Right. There's a lot of misconceptions about how to keep your credit good yeah. and how to improve your credit. I, for instance, grew up as a young man thinking, if I have no credit card debt, they'll love me because I pay off my credit card, where Mm -hmm. a credit card company wants you to carry a balance because that's how they make money. And it's also how the – it's part of their algorithms that they use to calculate your actual credit. You have to use your credit cards. The best way to do – on a credit card, for example, is to have a balance below – um, 30% of the limit. So if you have a limit of 10,000, you want to keep it below 3,000. But you want to keep using it. You, you definitely want to, don't want to pay it off every month. Your credit score will be lower than somebody who actually has 10 credit cards they pay on time and keep their balances low. Another way to keep your credit uh, clean is is keep keep accounts open and don't close them. But definitely make sure you manage them and they don't get stolen. And, and, and that brings up another point, too. You also want to keep... You want to keep them open on your account. Well, before we go there, keeping your credit lines open Mm -hmm. ages the account, the average years that you've had credit. So if you open up a lot of new credit cards, Mm -hmm. you're you only had credit maybe from five years will go down to one year because you just opened five new credit cards. So correct, all all those years of of paying on time just got watered down because you opened up too many new credit cards. Yeah, there's there's several factors that will affect your credit, um, your lower balances, uh, accuracy collections, time, new accounts. Uh, There's three bureaus. There's Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. And added.com at the end of each one of those, and you can go and get your own credit report. You can also do disputes. This is when you want to do your fixing your credit on your own. You can do a dispute through that agency or that bureau. Um, Or you can use your creditor to do what they call rapid rescores. If you need a really quick transaction and there's something easy, maybe it was a, a mistake on your credit report, you can show up a bill and say, I did really pay this, and you could do a rapid rescore. And sometimes there's a big difference. Like if you're doing a rental property and you're buying an investment property, there's minimum scores you need to meet if you have a certain down payment. And some people need to do these types of rapid rescores. So getting in front of your credit is important. We talked about monitoring your credit. There's some good tools that you use. For instance? Credit Karma is one. Credit Karma. That's an app on a phone. It's an, it's an app, but what it, it, it may not be the most effective tool to managing your, your credit, but it gets you involved. It's, it tells you that all your accounts that are on there, what your balances are. And it also alerts you if, this, if new, new entries come up, new inquiries, and, and new credit. So it's a way that people get involved. And I think that everyone should be involved in their credit because it has such an impact in the, in the financial industry. Good idea. And one last final thought that I want to throw out there is to improve your credit score, go out and get a credit. You know, go put $1,000 on your credit card and start paying it off slowly. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but if you really, really, really want to improve your credit, that's one way of doing it. Show that you can pay on time. We've been talking with Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. Joining me now, Chris Yachia from thestreet.com. Uh, tech editor. Chris, how are you? Good, Rob. How are you doing today? Doing good. You're here to talk, as you always do, about some of the things that fascinate the whole Bay Area. Um, you got a little update on Tesla. What do we need to know about Tesla? So it looks like analysts are starting to sour on the company's shares, at least you know in the short term. Shares have run you know, 25% over the past three months, and it seems like most of that is either due to excitement regarding the Model X or the company's energy storage facility business. And analysts feel right now that shares are currently you know, fully valued, so they're saying, hey, wait a minute, investors, you know, maybe not, not such a great time to buy shares now, and a couple of them downgraded you know, this week because of that. We all kind of knew that, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, basic accounting, little financial statement reading. We knew it was an expensive stock. Why do you think now? Is it just that he's run out of press releases? Is it uh, valuation? Is it middle of the year? We're looking for a correction, and they kind of want to look smart. Uh, do you have any sense on the timing? I think it's I think it's just a couple of different things. I think, like you said, you know, analysts kind of want to look smart. There is not a whole heck of a lot of news right now. We're not going to get anything uh, from the company until August as it relates to uh, earnings. And then in September and then probably more towards October is when we'll see the Model X really start to ramp up. So right now it's kind of a slow time for, for Tesla. The stock has run tremendously since they announced the uh, battery storage business earlier this year. So it's basically they're just saying it's prudent to just take some money off the table right now. It's really all it is. Yeah, it's tough to value the company because it is a cool product, and they do have a cool CEO. But unlike Apple, who's got a cool CEO and a cool product, uh, they manufacture a car. And the profit margins aren't as great as, say, a, a phone. Um, and, you know, when you're pricing in no profits till I think 2020 was last I heard, uh, you're really given a lot of benefit of the doubt when you give it, you know, a valuation 30, 40, 50 times higher than the stock market uh, that has earnings. So I see the problem, but it is a cool product. Um, let's see, today Tesla's up six bucks, uh, up two and a half percent, but it looks like it's 52 week highs, about 290, and it's at 260. 33 billion dollar market cap, no earnings in sight. Um, do you think the Model X will be a game changer for them? just adding a different vehicle? Absolutely. I mean, anytime you expand your product lineup to be something that's completely different than what you've had before, it's a, it's a big change. Elon Musk has come out and said, you know, he thinks that the Model X can help double the company's sales because the SUV market is so strong. I mean, I've test drove a couple of different versions of the Model S, and I'm probably even more excited to drive to test drive the Model X than I am the S than I was the S simply because of the fact that it has Falcon wing doors, it'll have all the advancements that the Model S has currently, and I'm sure there'll be a couple of different things that they haven't you know thrown out there, some new software, and you know it's an SUV so you, you it, it's, it's it's a different driving experience, and there's a tremendous amount of demand for it so. I really think that the Model X is going to be a game changer for Tesla. 
help me with this one because you're a little bit younger, a little bit cooler than me. Uh, Falcon wings, much like the DeLorean, they're car doors that open up versus out. Um, you think that's a good feature? Because to me, that kind of looks it looks kind of like the DeLorean, right? Well, I mean, I mean, I'm a Back to the Future fan, so anything that reminds me of a DeLorean is going to have something okay. near and dear to my heart. But yeah, I mean, it's something that change. It's it's a feature that's just not the same thing as you know your standard SUV, and they really wanted to make it functional as well as aesthetically pleasing. Their their thought process is that you know for a full grown adult, it's hard to get into an SUV or a minivan because of the way the doors are. So if the doors open up. It's, and there's a lot of space in the back, it just makes it easier for a full-grown adult to get into the back. So it's not just something that, hey, it's cool, let's make it. It actually has a purpose to it as well. And we are a nation of big people, so I get where you're coming at. Anything else about Tesla we need to know? I think it'll be interesting to see um, what the reaction is from consumers to the Model X. I mean, I don't. they've done some testing on it, um, but that's not really getting into the hands of the consumers. The Model S has been one of, if not the best-reviewed cars in recent memory, so it'll be interesting to see if the Model X has that as well. Yeah, it is a beloved car, and again, it's definitely a little bit of a eye-grabber. And I know you're in New York. In San Francisco, the Bay Area, it's now starting to get to the point where the Model S is kind of like last year's news and you kind of look like you're late to the party if you're picking one up now. So there's something there that they – don't quote me on that, Chris. I'm not going to say their popularity is going to die, but there's a little bit of a fad thing going on where at one point in time you were the cool guy who had it, now you're the guy like, oh, yeah, everyone has one of those kind of thing. Um, not even sure if that's worthy of you know commenting on even further, but it is of note. So let's change the topic to uh, another thing near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, Comic-Con. Comic-Con, obviously big for, it's a big convention tied towards comics, but it's not really tied towards comics anymore, is it? No, it's become this big, giant premiere for movies, TV shows, and considering how big the movie business is in this country, these franchises can either make or break a company's year at the box office, and the two big things this year are... Uh, Star Wars and the uh, the premiere of, or the continuation of DC's uh, Batman vs Superman and and what they're doing with that universe. So the whole Batman vs Superman, you getting excited about that? We're starting to see a little more information leak here and there, a little more trailers come out. Comic Con, obviously. Yeah, when I watched the first trailer, when I watched the trailer the first time, you know, I was a little hesitant on it. You know, how many Batman movies can you have? Man of Steel wasn't that great of a movie. Um, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't anything like Dark Knight. But the more I've read, the more I've watched the trailer over and over again, the more I get excited about this. And I think, you know, this is going to be something that's going to really sh put Warner Brothers at the forefront right up next to Disney and Marvel with their, with their universe. And it's going to be a battle for, the, for box office dollars. It's interesting. Uh, Comic-Con has kind of become you know, bigger than life, uh, much like the comics that they represent. But it's also a distribution channel, like you said, for TV shows just to even get noticed. Um, if you're in your second season, thousands of fans will come dressed as your characters, whether it's Breaking Bad or 
whether it's GothicCon, uh, Fox, or whatever. It's just it's it's good PR in a day and age where television ratings continue to slide. You have to find ways to distribute your content and show people that, that you're even out there in a competitive world of online viewing habits. So I, I kind of get it, but it is pretty crazy. Uh, do you dress up in the costumes? Do you go to Comic-Con? Do you hit the New York one, or do you hit the San Diego one? No, I don't. I haven't been to either. It's one thing that I would lo- I would love to do, but I would not go there and dress up. Uh, that that's a little too far out for me. It'd be it's, it's interesting to see how these people really get into it, but that's just not my style. I'm with you. Anything else that we need to know about Comic Con this year? I think if you know if you're if you're an investor in some of these names like you know Disney or or Time Warner or Lionsgate or AMC, which has Walking Dead. You know, I think it's really interesting to see what the reaction is of fans because a lot of times, you know, movie executives feel like these people can either make or break a movie's opening. And if you spent $200 million plus on Batman versus Superman and people aren't happy with it, you know, that's something that, you know, if you're an investor in Time Warner, it's going to make you pick your head up and say, okay, well, do I really want to put my dollars here or are going to put my investment dollars somewhere else? So it's something, you know, if you're an investor, it's something you should at least keep your eyes and ears on. Chris Yache, you can find him at thestreet.com. He's the tech editor. He joins us every Thursday to talk a little bit about entertainment, but also about tech investing and some of the tech stories out there, whether it be Apple, Tesla, and or Comic-Con. Uh, Comic-Con is running from July 9th through the 12th. 130,000 people will rush off to San Diego dressed as their favorite pop culture icons. Um, they look for swag. They look for, you know, exhibits. They look for the shows that they're interested in. Um, it's in its 48th year. It's one of the biggest draws. And, you know, getting into one of the two main venues where panels for some of the most anticipated shows take place are interesting to say the least. The Walking Dead is probably the hottest show at this point in time, but there's going to be some new footage of Sherlock. Um, there'll be a Game of Thrones panel. Like, did Jon Snow really die? That's not a big reveal. Uh, he probably didn't. Uh, the Hannibal panel. Uh, you know, a TV show that's critically acclaimed that's been canceled. Uh, will the show find another place to live, or is it done? The Walking Dead Season 6 trailer will uh, be launched, and that's a fan favorite. People will go crazy to meet Andrew Lincoln, Chandler Riggs, Lenny James... Uh, the creator of the comic books, Robert Kirkman. The Revenge of the Nerds. The Comic-Con is where the cool people are now. Uh, Walking Dead's got a new spin-off series coming this summer uh, called Fear the Walking Dead, which is going to be done out of L.A., which, honestly, I think L.A. is going to be a, a pretty cool place to shoot a zombie show because if you can get, like, Bill Murray dressed as a zombie uh, and someone gets to take a bat to him, that would be pretty cool. Or maybe even, like, a Paris Hilton. Uh the ability to drop and just, you know, bust on celebrities could be pretty cute. Uh, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, Back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. A little Game of Thrones action. 
coming at you. Time Warner's HBO uh, has done a fantastic job of creating franchises that are billion-dollar franchises, but it's getting kind of trickier. At one point in time, they can come out with The Sopranos, and they'd sell a six-set DVD, season one, season two, season three, season four, season, and they'd sell it for $100. Uh, they'd sell individual seasons for 20 bucks on DVD. Again, I'm probably making up prices because I don't really remember yesterday as well as I remember 15 years ago. Um, but they've done franchise after franchise, Sex and the City, Sopranos. They've done a pretty good job of it. And now they've got another franchise on their hands with Game of Thrones, uh, which interestingly is running out of source material from the author because he just writes at his own damn pace. <laughs> and uh, it's a business. And they are going to have to veer off from his source material. And I'm pretty sure that he's like, okay, here's what's going to happen. Because George R. R. Martin, originally when he was pitching his book to the publishers, he said, here are the, you know, it's about these families. And they're going to feud and they're going to go for this and there's going to be dragons. And here's the final five characters. I already know who the final five characters are because I read his pitch. Um, but HBO's in a, in a little bit of a quandary because now we're like living in a day and age of uh, a lot of spoilers with the internet. Um, so the book material, obviously, a lot of people were, knew what was coming or thought they knew what was coming. A lot of the content had to be compromised. Uh, but we get content differently than we used to. We used to have to wait for it. Um, and now we're just consuming it completely different. I mean, you know, I was talking during the break about uh, music. I like a lot of what Apple Music's doing. I like a lot of it. It is a very complex app. It is a very complex and tough to use music center. Uh, they are trying to do a lot with it. One of the things I really like that they're trying to do is they're curating music. So, like, if you want to use one of their lists, you may get like p people who wrote number one songs. And you won't, like, grasp, like, hey, this is people who wrote number one songs. Like, but it will all be number one songs written by the same person. Uh, and there's kind of fun in it, which one of the things I hate about Spotify is you say, Spotify, I want to go get uh, Taylor Swift video, Taylor Swift audio. And sure enough, there it is. But there's no magic to it. There's no story behind it. You know, I do like the radio DJ. And you're listening to a radio DJ right now um, who can try to, you know, enhance, hey, you know, Greek and the Grexit um, from the European Union, no big deal, no big sweat. And I'm trying to help you calm down. Whereas I think like rock DJs used to teach us like, hey, my friend John Bon Jovi. And you're like, you're not friends, but every DJ would say to his friend, uh, yeah, we are talking about his new album and it's coming out next Monday. Um, Apple Music is using DJs which I think is kind of cool again, because I grew up, I don't know if you did or didn't, but I would be in my room, away from mom and dad, away from my brothers, and I'd listen to the radio, and the radio was this just fantastic escape. Um, and Apple's trying to go back to the future a little bit with it. So city chief economist Willem Butler uh, has changed his mind. He was the man who coined the term Grexit. He now thinks Greece leaving the Eurozone is most likely outcome. Just three months ago, he said it was unlikely. Um, and that's totally fair. And that's one of the reasons why advice on radio totally stinks. <laughs> because three months ago, if you had heard him, he said, no chance they're leaving. And then 
three months later, you don't have your radio on, you still think there's no chance he's leaving. Um, it's going to be an interesting, again, 72 hours left in the whole Greek drama. Uh, Greek banks have about four more days of cash left completely. The Greek banking system is, you know, nothing. They're dry. They're, you know, initially shutting their doors for the week of the referendum. Uh, that was meant to last till Tuesday, July 7th, but closures have extended at least until mid-next week. Uh, capital controls in place mean that ordinary Greeks can only withdraw, you know, roughly 66 bucks a day, 60 euros. Um, it's so bad that they've shut down iTunes. <laughs> They don't have the money, so a Greek person can't go out and spend a buck ninety or a buck ninety nine euros. Uh, they don't have it, so the ATMs have all been raided at this point in time. The liquidity crunch could intensify, potentially causing the daily cap on ATM withdrawals to be even further reduced. It's going to be fun to see how this plays out, and again, it's just fun for me, probably not fun for you. Other stories of note today: your iPhone's going to get a new feature. It's going to separate your selfies from the rest of your photos. Ugh, selfies. Apple's making the big technological leap of having your photo apps, which we call selfies, uh, in a nice, neat little folder. It's unclear how their software is going to do this, but it's going to do it. So we got that to look forward to. I know you're saying world peace. No, 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 no. A selfie folder inside your phone. Um, of which I think it's fantastic that Disney's banned selfie sticks. I think that's fantastic. I totally dig that. Could you imagine being on like a roller coaster and a selfie stick flies into your face or you know cuts off your head or something? Totally agree with uh, Disney's decision to do that. The Fed is still looking at raising rates this year. So says their minutes from yesterday. Loss yesterday amongst the stories on Wall Street that were high drama is the fact that the Fed released their minutes. Sure, the stock market shut down for three and a half hours, but Federal Reserve officials spent the most recent policy meeting uh, in June preparing to raise rates later this year. You know, they're looking at Greece. They're looking at the Chinese stock market. Uh, they had one member who said we could raise in June, so but others who are still saying, you know, a little bit further off, but growth is going to be stronger than they expect. Unemployment's going to be lower and wage gains will be faster. That was some of the things that they saw, um, according to economists who read the notes. Um, and that's going to be probably the big story of 2016, is the ramifications of higher interest rates, even if they're not that much higher at all. But we will cut as low as we can go. The ramifications of how high can we go, how slowly can we go. Yahoo's going to enter the daily fantasy sports market. Even as legalized gambling is spread nationwide to include lotteries, casinos, and just about every imaginable type of slot machine, the notion of betting on sports has remained basically in Vegas. But yesterday, Yahoo said they took the biggest step yet to bring legalized betting sports to the mainstream. Interesting. Is that how you're going to make your money with Yahoo? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. <laughs> 